It is the 200 level episode 136, best week ever. Do you remember that show on VH1? It might still be on the show, I know. But this coming up is potentially the best week ever, or at least in a long time for Illini sports fans, as we have three basketball games in three days with our number eighth ranked Fighting Illini basketball team. And then we have on Saturday a top five Ohio State team coming into Memorial Stadium, which I think we all have pretty tempered expectations for that. But what the heck? You get a shot. You get a shot on national TV, FS1, 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. And because the expectations will be low, that means that it won't take much for us to feel pretty good. There is such a thing as a moral victory against Ohio State. But I wanted to come on and do this relatively brief 200-level podcast. we got a busy week ahead, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, But partially because on Saturday, as we were doing the live pod for Illinois, Nebraska, I felt like I didn't do a great job. And what I mean by that is I had a really difficult time processing what was going on, as I think a lot of us did, in that shellacking in Lincoln, Nebraska. A dominant performance, the likes of which we have not seen from Lovey's team ever. If you think about it, I guess Minnesota two years ago, that was a really good one. Last year, you get the upset against Wisconsin and the comeback against Michigan State, but prolonged 60 minutes of excellence. That is not something we're accustomed to with Lovey Smith's uh, Illini football program. So I felt like I was a little bit off. I said, mm, a lot. Huh, mm. I was thinking about my what to say next because I just frankly didn't know what to say. And I was conflicted too, as we'll get into in a bit. And as you're probably well aware, conflicted about the short-term success of this team and then the long-term prospects of Lovey as the head coach. So we're going to hit on both of those today in what is going to be a short 200 level, about a half hour, because this week... We have three live pods coming up, two of which are for basketball, and then, of course, Saturday with Illinois, Ohio State, hoping, fingers crossed, that that postgame pod will be of interest, that we can actually talk about the nitty-gritty in the third and fourth quarter against the Buckeyes. If that's the case, we might be on to something. Before we get into this episode of the 200 level, kind of a bonus pod, I guess, but let's just keep churning them out. We're having fun. The listenership has been tremendous. I think that that... Interest in Illini sports is at a peak right now when you converge football and basketball season. So it's been a lot of fun the last couple of weeks doing this and even more fun as we get into basketball season. But before we get into all of this stuff, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. They got a Thanksgiving zone, order online, use coupon code Mike. Now I'm pretty sure that's a premium zone, but even with that coupon code, it's only six bucks. This thing has all the fixings. I think it's got turkey, stuffing, cheese, and it has a cranberry sauce dipping cup that you get with it as well, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So if you want to stay home, stay safe, avoid the crowd, I get it. I get it. They'll bring it to you. Use coupon code Mike at uh, dpdo.com for $5 calzones and $6 premium and construction zones. That's dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. I just ordered after talking about it for a couple weeks. I finally did it. Don't know why I procrastinated. It is a navy blue crew neck sweatshirt with the orange Illinois script font from last year's retro Illini basketball jerseys. Pretty sure they'll be rocking those this year too. But this thing is going to come just in time for Illini basketball season. Cannot wait to wear it. And actually some Twitter reviews of it when I said that on Twitter, people said, this is the most comfortable sweatshirt I have. Not surprised. Fourth and Kirby stuff is super high quality, very affordable. And you can use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, renter's business, 
whatever it may be. And we can speak from experience. He helped us out with homeowners and auto, a nice bundle from State Farm, but also a very smooth process with Brian and his staff. They made it very easy for us. And we trust them in something that, listen, when it comes to insurance, when it comes to banking, things like that, I don't know anything about it. So I need to trust my agent and I do with Brian. Great guy, great staff. Go online to brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network for being partners with the 200 level. We are now, get this, I just thought of this. This is our 100th episode since we came back last year. 100th. We started with episode 36, a most consequential year. That was before football season started. And here we are, 100 episodes later in about, I guess that'd be 13 and a half months. Initially, this was going to be a weekly podcast, but over time, it's either two or sometimes three episodes a week. Right now, this is our fourth episode in seven days, and that's okay. Listen, we got things to talk about. We got things to cover. Got to thank a couple people on Apple Podcast Reviews. This helps us out when we get ratings and reviews. Couple very thoughtful and kind ones. This is from UIFan81. I always know I can turn to the 200 level for timely alumni information and discussions. Mike brings a fan's perspective and can be a bit cynical, but fair. It is true that I can be cynical. I'm going to get into that in a second, but hopefully I am fair. I appreciate that UIFan81. And then from D Alani, Carp does one of the best alone podcasts I've ever heard. I look forward to every episode. He tells it like it is with no BS. All right. I really enjoy his straightforward, no sugar-coated approach. Some may give him grief for his consternation, great word, with the state of Illinois football, but I feel exactly as he does, disappointed, and it's good just to hear someone else report on it openly. Keep it up, Carp. We'll do D Alani. Let's get into that consternation. <laughs> Of which, yes, I had a lot of consternation with Illinois football. I think a lot of us did. I think that consternation manifested itself in some apathy going into Saturday's game against Nebraska, even coming off of a win against Nebraska. How many of us legitimately thought Illinois was going to win? There was one Twitter account, Alani Breakdown, and they do these YouTube clips where they well, break down the previous game. They predicted, and I don't know if it was just a hunch or if they were joking around, but on Saturday morning they said, Illinois is going to win today. And I thought, well, that would be great. How are they going to do it? I don't know. Because it seemed like against Nebraska, it was uphill sledding against an offense that tended to gain 600-plus yards and have no problem scoring against you. And the quarterback controversy that Illinois was facing. Who do you put out there? Who do you trust? I, before the game, decided I was going to put it on the record. I don't know why I felt so compelled to do this. Maybe... To be honest, it might have been partially, hey, if I'm right about this, this will prove I was right all along. But as we talked about last Saturday, Isaiah Williams, after that performance against Rutgers, how can you bench him after that? And I know it was Rutgers. And I know he is not quite a dual threat guy because his passing leaves a little bit to be desired. But such a good runner. He gives you an identity. He's the future. Play him. Not Brandon Peters. And as I said in this tweet, Brandon Peters was inconsistent enough, even in wins last year, where what are you really missing by benching him and putting in Isaiah Williams? Well, I happily ate crow. Brandon Peters gave the best quarterback performance for any Illini quarterback. You'd probably have to go back to what, Riley O'Toole against Northwestern? Or any Nathan Shieldhouse, one of his better performances, it was a complete performance for four quarters from Brandon Peters. Not against the best defense, but you know what? He looked great. Uh, regardless of the quality of defense, that kind of performance against a good defense is still good enough to keep you in the game. And that is what you were hoping for from this offense this year. It is certainly an improvement from last year, but more consistency and the ability to keep you in games even when the defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. Well, the thing is the defense did hold up their end of it. 
five takeaways. But even without that, they were getting some three and outs. As Harry Black has so often said on this and then back in the day on Tan Carp, the three and outs, that is a measurement of how good that defense is. And we were sniffing out some drives early and extending our lead and really turning this into a blowout fairly early. Now, were you gifted the touchdown at the start of the game? Yes. Did I think that that was going to hold up? No. I thought, well, that's kind of a crazy way to start the game. Nebraska throwing a backwards pass on the first play beyond the line of scrimmage. So if that were a forward pass, it would have been a penalty, but they didn't even review it, which I'm not sure why. But guess what? You capitalized on it. You punched it in. But I still thought, well, this is sort of like last year. I didn't have a lot of faith that this was going to turn into a blowout for Illinois despite being spotted a seven-point lead. But then it was 14-7. to and then 21 to 7. And then you take the, I think at one point, a 38 to 17 lead. Is that right? Eventually winning 45 23. That was a blowout. That was a dominant performance. And if it wouldn't have been for Northwestern beating Wisconsin in the way that they did, or Indiana with a hell of a comeback effort at Ohio State, or really Iowa going on the road to Penn State and kicking the crap out of them, and us all thinking, well, what's going on with Penn State 0 5? Or for that matter, Michigan Rutgers, overtime, double overtime, maybe triple. I went to bed when it went to overtime, but that was a Big Ten Saturday chock full of action. And really yours was one of the more boring games in the national perspective, because there's not a lot of national interest in Nebraska at the moment or for Illinois, of course. And in a Saturday where there was so much more going on and much more at stake in some other games, unfortunately, you didn't get pub that you otherwise would have. So that that is a shame. I thought, and I joked with Harry before he signed off, hey, you know, you might be cutting up highlights for Illinois, Nebraska. And he laughed and said, uh, no, there's, there's other games that people actually care about. That is true. But at the end of the day, that is the kind of performance that in any era of Illinois football, under any coach, any roster, you'd feel great about. And the only reason I kind of paused and, and didn't have this triumphant glow for the rest of the day was that long-term dilemma. And as I was reflecting on it, and I said this towards the end of the podcast Saturday, make it easy, right? Make this easy on all of us. Just figure it out, lovey. Figure out whatever that was on Saturday. Do that. And I know you can't repeat that every Saturday, but if you can get close to it, you're going to win a decent amount of football games. And at Illinois, you really are only looking for seven and five, Six and six, the occasional eight, nine, one season, right? Get us to some level like that. If you can do that, however you do it, whatever recruiting model you use, I'm fine with it. You know, I've, I've been <clears throat> very critical, of course. You, you guys can attest to that. But I always try to be fair in being critical of what was in front of us. You know, what were we seeing on the game tape? And then for the long term, what were we seeing to give us any indication that they were going to get better? And we didn't get a lot of that. But then you get a performance like Saturday, and it kind of throws some things on its head. It doesn't. It does not change everything. It doesn't. This was not beating, let's say, like Ohio State at home. That would change everything. The entire formula changes if you beat Ohio State on Saturday. We aren't expecting it. I just hope for some competitive quarters where in the second half it's not a complete laugher. But this didn't change everything, but it changed a decent amount Think of our formula for whether we keep lovey or don't. Three and six, I think a lot of us would agree, is kind of purgatory. You get one more win, presumably against a bad Big Ten East team at the end of the year. That means if you lose to Ohio State, Iowa, Northwestern, you're two and six. And then you play, what, Michigan State. 
Maryland. Penn State, I don't know. <laughs> in that final game, maybe Michigan if they lose out. And then you finish 3-6. and six. Well, do any of this feel that good going into next year? No, no. Because even if you factor in those three non-conference games, that would have gotten you to 6-6. Six and six. And of course, there is now the consideration that, well, if Brandon Peters would have played against Purdue, maybe you win that game. And guess what? The way he played against Nebraska, I think it's actually a safe assumption that you beat Purdue if Brandon Peters is out there and not turning the ball over four times like Karan Taylor did. Minnesota, that might have just been a wash. Brandon Peters or not, it wasn't working that day. But it does make you wonder now, had he been out there, do you beat Purdue? Are you 3-2 and two right now? That's a reasonable, uh, logical leap that we can take, that they'd be 3-2 and two if Brandon Peters had played the entire season. And then, well, what are you really asking for? I said from the beginning of the year, 4-5, and five, with this schedule, I'd probably stick with Lovey. Wouldn't feel great about it. Wouldn't feel like, well, we've turned the corner and everything's all good now. But it would be something that I would understand. Three and six, though, oh, God. Can't you see it in front of us? Can't you see the next three games being losses? Maybe a couple of them competitive. And then you get that final win, three and six. And it sort of reminds me of the end of the Ron Turner era when they were four and eight. And I think four and seven going into the final game at Northwestern. And they lost that game. Or maybe they were three and seven. And if they would have won that game, they would have won four and seven. They missed a field goal or Northwestern made one. I can't remember entirely. But there was something that Gunther said, I believe, at the firing press conference, which happened the next Monday. Something he said that alluded to the fact that that game may have mattered. I might be misremembering that, but I, I remember distinctly watching that final game, which should have been a meaningless game against Northwestern and thinking, if we win this, is Gunther going to parlay, parlay that into, well, we're going to keep Ron Turner. We aren't done with him yet. That would have been bad news, right? So that is the concern going forward. You want to give credit where it's due, and there's a lot of credit to give for Saturday. There's also credit for winning at Rutgers with the first start of Isaiah Williams' career, the defense figuring it out enough, and the run game really getting going in the last two weeks. There is credit to go around. You outcoached Rutgers. You did. I don't know why Rutgers decided they were going to start passing left and right against you in the fourth quarter. But guess what? You still probably outcoached him in that game. Saturday, no-brainer. Scott Frost, golden boy. The one that we thought was going to turn Nebraska right back into, maybe not Tom Osborne, but like Frank Solich era Nebraska. And you schooled that Nebraska team up any way that you slice it. All three units for Illinois were better than Nebraska's. By a lot. It's just weird, right? I mean, even though I've had 48 hours to digest this and think about it, I'm still finding myself, <laughs> I'm still finding it difficult to navigate through something that I just didn't expect. I had this team for dead again. I hopped on with Jeremy on his podcast today. And what I said to him off the air, and he actually mentioned this when we started recording, I said, they're doing it again. Here we go again. It's deja vu. I, I thought about maybe naming this podcast deja vu because it feels like here we go again. Now, is it going to be a four-game win streak? Probably not because Ohio State will interrupt that. But Iowa, it, that's on the table. Northwestern, you don't feel good about it. But you also know Northwestern shouldn't probably score 35 points. That Maybe that's just going to be an ugly game. and you, you got a shot, right? Maybe. Maybe you got a shot. But that is on the table. With as good as you were against Nebraska, you do that same thing. It reminds me of this old joke that I think Norm MacDonald had where it said, you know, black boxes, they survive airplane crashes. Well, why don't they make the entire plane out of that box? 
And it makes me think, you know, taking a little bit of a leap here, that God, just repeat the same thing you did. The same thing you did Saturday. Just do that again and again and again. And if you did that, I think we'd all be happy to support Lubby and this football program as they try to figure out how we can get some long-term success. The record for this team in Big Ten games, if you go back to the four-game win streak last year, they won four, and then they lost three, and then they won two. So that is eight, um, eight and five in the last 13, I believe, for this team in the Big Ten. That is not bad. Yes, Rutgers, those are two of them, but you also got Wisconsin. You have Purdue. You have Michigan State. You have Nebraska now. You're starting to at least diversify your portfolio a little bit. And if you were to say, well, Carp, what is your expectation for Lovey or anybody at Illinois? It would be to get to 6-6 six and six and 7-5. and five. And if we had had a 12-game schedule, I think you could have, could have assumed, right, especially if this team was healthy, they would have started 3-0, and which means a 4-5 and five conference campaign means a 7-5 and five year. And that would have included Brandon Peters, your starter, being out for three games and finishing seven and five. That's why four and five, I think, is important. Just like last year, seven and five would have felt a hell of a lot better than six and six. It might seem like an arbitrary number, but it means something to be, instead of playing the what if game, well, we would have been six and six if we finished three and six. No, if you finish four and five, that means beating likely Iowa and whoever the Big Ten East team is, maybe like a Michigan at that point, if you're three and five and Michigan might be at three and five as well. That'd feel pretty good, right? Imagine a situation in which you're four and five with the wins against Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, and Rutgers, right? And then all of a sudden that Purdue game, you look back and say, well, Brandon wasn't out there. That's when the narrative is okay to throw out there. If you were to finish two and two and seven, and you still could, you still could, but if two and seven were your final record, it doesn't matter if Brandon Peters was injured that game. You're so far from where you need to be that no, sorry, that's not good enough. You get to four and five, then all of a sudden, yes, we start playing those what-if games. And then you think, well, I guess we go into next year with Lovey. And it's like, well, God dang, am I being a hypocrite here? After all the things I've said about Lovey Smith and all the <laughs> airing of grievances, it's not quite Festivus, but we're getting close. All the airing of grievances about the Lovey Smith Illini football program, which, yes, statistically, wins losses, was the worst stretch of Illinois football through the... Minnesota game. And now they're flipping the script again. It's just, I can't, you know, I'm happy and yet I'm like pulling my hair out. All right, come on, do do something, you know. It's not like poking a dead dog. This is not a dead dog. You don't win a game like Nebraska if you're just a dead dog. But there's something just wildly erratic about this that just makes it hard to project forward and say, well, I, I really trust their ability to win two more. But you know what? They probably will. Well, I mean, it just doesn't that seem like the way it's going after all this one and three start. Okay. Or oh, and three, sorry. Then they get the one at Rutgers. So oh, and three start as bad as you looked week in, week out injuries aside. And then they rattle off four of their last six. Really? But they might. And it just seems like if they're going to repeat what they did last year, that's exactly what's going to happen. I will say I feel decent enough about that I would still have the long-term concerns but I also understand how it would be damn near impossible in a COVID impacted year where you don't get those non-conference games to fire Lovey Smith at four and five when you were missing your starting quarterback if Brandon Peters keeps this up right and 
and he might. He might, in fact, have a very good senior year for the rest of the way. It would be, it'd look bad, as Jeremy and I were talking about on his podcast today. Mondays with Mike, Alana Inquirer podcast, check it out. But yeah, Jeremy broached that. You would look like you didn't know what the hell you were doing if you fired Lovey after all that, and I understand it. Just like I understood last year, of course you aren't going to fire him after you make a bowl game. They achieved their goal, even if it wasn't pretty, and even if they did, yes, finish 6-7, and seven. didn't even have a winning record. So, God, it's just it's just a lot of conflicted feelings. Happy for the guys and happy for the program, and it was fun to watch it. I mean, that was a fun brand of football. Really good offense, opportunistic defense. I think of my favorite Illini teams, 01, and I love the Rose Bowl year, but I think the Sugar Bowl year in 01, that will always resonate with me because that really hooked me. Micron PC to an extent, but the Sugar Bowl year, I thought, oh my God, we can we can stay here forever. We've made it. We've arrived. And that was a really good offense that was efficient. They could run. Don't let Kurt Kittner's gaudy numbers fool you. They could run too. Rocky Harvey, Antonio Harris. I think Kerry, da- Kerry Davis would have been a sophomore fullback that year. Great run game. Great blocking on the offensive line. And then a defense that was good enough. Good enough defense. I think that was Mike Cassidy's first year here. And it was a perfect storm, of course. You go 10-2. and You probably were not quite as good as the record indicated, but you know what? In that Big Ten, you took advantage of all those opportunities with the only Big Ten loss being against Michigan. And I can make fun of Bob Osmussen for saying before the year that Brandon Peters, you know, he could, if he stays healthy, he could compete for Heisman. I thought that was hyperbole. But if you think about it, the Brandon Peters performance against Nebraska was very Kurt Kittner-like. Very Kirkner like where he had a couple of explosive plays that really stretched the field. Those two throws to Josh may as well have been taken right from the Kurt Kittner Brandon Lloyd playbook. And then more than that, was able to find all these other targets, Navarro with a good game, Barker with a good game. And then you balance that with a running attack. I know Kittner couldn't run quite as well as as Brandon Peters. Kittner was much more drop back, but you know, that was it, right? For that offense, it was the few explosive plays a game that really opened it up. But for the most part, they just moved the chains back in 01. Very efficient, right? If not always explosive. And that's what we got on Saturday. So it was just a weird throwback to, oh my God, not only are we competent, but we're better than the other team. And also the factor that Nebraska has owned you in recent history and then historically as well. He hadn't won there since 1924. And not only do you get that monkey off your back, but you do so in emphatic fashion. The game was essentially over at halftime. That's what's so weird. The game was over. It was a blowout. Nebraska knew they were done. And we knew that we were probably going to just continue to score, pile it on, and that's exactly what we did. Weird. I don't get it. So going forward, I think we can presume that Saturday, even as we hop on the 200 level, do a post game, we don't expect a win. I think that's fine. That's okay. I think they might cover. It's a 30-point spread, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Ohio State beat Indiana by 7. Indiana's clearly better than you, but beat them by 7, beat Penn State by 13. I think they beat Nebraska by 22. Those were all home games, I'm pretty sure. So who's to say that you can't make it moderately interesting? That's all. I'm not going to put a score on it. I'm just saying I think you should be able at home to cover against this Ohio State team if you're getting 30 points. That seems like you can cover it. And Lovey, if you want to use that as bulletin board material, it didn't work before the Wisconsin game this year. You felt like you were disrespected and then you got the doors blown off of you. But if you want to use that as bulletin board material, by all means, I'm fine with that. 
but man, this evaluation just got trickier, right? That's why I just say, guys, win, win a bunch of games. I don't know. Figure it out. Let that be the switch, the flipped, that all of a sudden turn on the Lovey program indefinitely, and we figured it out. And I don't need to like Lovey as a person. I can be annoyed by Lovey and the way that he talks during his press conferences. But as I've said from the outset, if he wins, I don't care about all those things. Just keep it easy. Keep it simple. Win. And then no issues from CARP. <laughs> the grievances will stop, and I will happily share in this excitement of Illinois football being halfway decent again. All right, so that's one half. One half of the best week ever. Like I said, this is going to be a short podcast. Just to get this out to you guys, but basketball starts this week. A little bit of a scary situation last week when you find out Wright State was not going to come here, and I thought, oh, God, here it goes. And sure enough, we're seeing a lot of college basketball games get postponed or just outright canceled. This is going to be like a minefield the entire season in terms of scheduling and making sure that you can get these games in. The biggest priority is keeping this Illinois team healthy because you just got to get to March. Somehow, someway, just get to that bubble in Indy. It will happen. The NCAA will make sure of it. They have way too much money tied up in it. There will be an NCAA tournament. Make it there healthy completely together, and I don't care what really comes before that, though a Big Ten championship would be nice. But three games in three days. They're all matinees. We're going to be here on Wednesday. We're going to be here on Friday. Thursday, we're going to take off, enjoy Thanksgiving, as you should, uh, and whatever gathering, hopefully small, right? However you choose to celebrate it, please do so safely and healthy. We need you here in 2021 when the vaccines get around. But this is it. This is it. Finally, after all this anticipation, instead of a more extended preview of Illinois basketball. I did more of that last week with the podcast, It's Time. That would have been episode 134. That's still timely. That's evergreen. You can go back and listen to that for all my extended thoughts. But as we sit here about 72 hours away, actually, no, I'm sorry, 48 hours away for when I'm recording this, 48 hours from Illinois kicking off their season. We've made it, okay? And just here's hoping that North Carolina A&T and... Chicago State and Ohio, they don't have any COVID tests. We get three games in three days. And how much fun is this going to be? We're the eighth ranked team in the nation. The first time we've been ranked in the top 10 coming into a season since I think 05-06, where you might have been borderline top 10 or at least 04-05. And just to think this used to be the norm. It's interesting to see conversations on Twitter from younger Illini fans and the excitement they have. For me, it's more of a, oh, I remember this. This is nice. This is nice. For them, it's brand new. And it takes me back a little bit to the Bill Self era when we took that next step. Lon Kruger ran a top 20 program. Bill Self ran a top 10 program. And the feeling of making just that step alone, where you felt like all of a sudden you were more than just a top four Big Ten team. You were the perennial conference champion and you were going to compete for Final Fours. That was the difference between the Lon Kruger-Bill Self eras. And thinking, well, by God, we are there again. We have arrived at the very least for this year. And I do have some confidence in this coaching staff to continue that. But just take this season, eighth-ranked team in the nation. No one would doubt that. No one would question it. And if you stay healthy, there's nothing that's going to knock you off of that. There are faults or flaws, I should say, on this team. I address that in the It's Time podcast as well. Specifically, lack of a proven wing, that you know what your core is, but outside of your core, how much can you trust some of these other guys, whether that be a Coleman Hawkins or a Hutchison or Granderson. And that that is going to be the question, right? That will impact your ceiling. But if you have all the givens and they perform the way that you think those givens will, you're going to be fine. 
and consistently so. So it's not a perfect team. It is not the national title favorite. But you know what? There is something about Io. There's something about Kofi, of course. Apart from the fact he's seven foot two and just an absolute beast physically, but there's something about this group of guys, even the glue guys like a Demonte or a bounce back Trent Frazier season, which I am expecting, that makes me think, yes, have those lofty expectations. And we're going to get right into that on Wednesday and Friday, doing some post game pods with them. So again, today was just a short pod. I want to get this out there, get some thoughts about what we saw over the weekend. Really love talking Illini sports when we have this much Illini sports to talk about. We were starved for it. We were craving it. And here we go. So we will be back Wednesday. I know this is a shorter pod, but we got hours of content coming up this week. Wednesday, North Carolina, AT&T. Kidding, it's A&T, but I am going to say AT&T probably a few times in that podcast. Before we go, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Coupon code for DP Doe, of course, is Mike. Coupon code for fourth and Kirby is the 200 level or just 200 level uh, for Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We're cutting it short, but we're going to be busy this week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. It's going to be an awesome Thanksgiving holiday, even if you're just sequestered at home watching three Alana basketball games and Illinois football with the opportunity of a lifetime. Maybe that's not hyperbole here for Lovey Smith and this team. It's a big one, and we'll see what happens on Saturday. But I'm just happy knowing that for four consecutive days, I get meaningful Illini sports in late November. It's been a long time since I think we felt that way. So until next time, we'll see you in a couple days. Post-game pods for basketball. That's where we really, uh, that was our bread and butter last year. It's back. We're going to be doing all season long. Cannot wait. It is the 200th level.